be the first one to buy it. Good morning. Good morning. It is a great day to be in the house of the Lord. I'm here because I love Jesus, and I hope that's why you're here as well, because we're all children of love. Would you please stand and sing with us as we start our service today? Nothing can change the way you love me. Nothing can change. 
Chapter 2, verse 1, or is it 1 7? 1 7, sorry. 2 Timothy 1 7 says, For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but one of power, love, and sound judgment. Amen to that. Let's pray. God, thank you for uh, loving us. Uh, Lord, thank you for giving us that spirit of, of no fear. Uh, God, thank you for allowing us to know you. God, thank you for this body of believers that we can come together and, and lift you up and praise your name because you are worth it. God, thank you for loving us. Jesus, and I pray. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Morning. Hey, family, a quick reminder. This is the last Sunday of the month, so it's a reminder, and I know most of you know this is our family worship Sunday, and your children's noises never bother anybody. Uh, kids whispering and giggling and paper rustling never bothers anybody, so relax. And if you've got someone in here and they want a little uh, kids pack, there's one back there. Um, but otherwise, we're, we're glad you're here. We're glad your kids are here. Hey, if you're watching online, we're glad you're with us too. Um, we're going to take just a couple minutes. Um, Say hi to someone, greet someone, and let's enjoy each other's company. Get those on, people.
Yo! Yeah. 
forgiveness. Oh, it's like sweet, sweet honey on my lips. It's like the sound of the symphony to my ears. It's like holy water on my skin. It's like holy water on my skin. It's like holy because we have that forgiveness we want to worship him Romans 12 1 tells us therefore brothers and sisters in view of the mercies of God I urge you to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and pleasing to God this is your true worship so before we start this next one um, truly Your heart is heavy. Just lay it in front of the Lord. Lay everything at his feet. He will be there to answer you. Oh, come. 
5522 encourages us, cast your burden on the Lord, and he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken.
morning. Hey, I don't, I don't know if you're like me at all, um, but if you are and you have the same personality trait that I do, you are probably going to be very grumpy with me at the end of the, the message. Uh, for instance, uh, maybe this is you. Uh, years ago, I went to a movie theater, and uh, I went with my family, and we went to go see Lord of the Rings, and I, I never knew anything about Lord of the Rings, so we were watching it, and there's this scene, and, and everyone's like walking down the dirt road, and we're just having a good time watching this movie, and all of a sudden, the credits start rolling. And I looked over, and I'm like, what in the world? These people are just walking down the dirt road, now there's credits rolling, and I, I leaned over, and I looked, I think of my sister, and I said, what happens? And she said, it's a trilogy. And I was so angry. I'm like, why in the world did I go see a movie with no ending? Like, I don't know if it's you. I don't even need a happy ending. I just need, I need closure. So if you're a closure kind of person, you're in, you're in a bad situation today. Um, there's going to be a lot of open-ended questions here that we just can't really answer. So I'm sorry. You've got to take that up with God when you see him. Today, if, if uh, you're going to stay with us, we're going to be in this, and I believe we're in a, a Dark Horse series for five weeks. I think five weeks, if I've got my, my numbers down. But today, we're going to be in uh, Judges chapter 4. We're going to talk about it a little bit, and we're not going to get all of it. So it says Judges chapter 4 through 5. It says that, but we're just joking. I'm not even going to get all the way through the chapter. We're going to go through Judges chapter 4. I'll give you just a couple seconds to turn there. Judges chapter 4. Once you get there, don't close it because we're going we're gonna to pull bits and pieces out. And I'm, I'm going to encourage slash beg when you go home tonight or tomorrow, read the rest of this chapter. And Judges chapter 5 is, is very poetic about, about the individual we're talking about. So finish it up on your own. Judges chapter 4. Let's read with, it'll be verse 1. It says, And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harash. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. Now Deborah, a prophetess of the, the wife of Lapido, was judging Israel at the time. She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramath and Behel in the country of Ephraim. And the people of Israel came up to her for judgment. We're going to stop there. We're going to talk about, about Deborah. And, and I'm going to say this, and I believe Deborah is probably the most influential woman in the Bible. And I'm going to point this out because oftentimes when we discuss Scripture, people are going to say, well, the word of God that you follow is very sexist. I don't, I can't, I can't attest to that because when I look at this passage, Deborah has so much influence here and she only gets one chapter. In fact, um, she is the only female judge and prophet in the Bible. The only other prophet and judge in the Bible was a man, Samuel. So if you take those two criteria, 50-50, already 50% of the word of God is female. In this, she is only one of five women as described as a prophet. There is, of course, Miriam, uh, Miriam uh, there's Noadiah, uh, there's a prophetess, there's Huldah, and here's Deborah. And I, sometimes we, we overlook her because she doesn't get a large chunk of scripture. 
but Deborah was really important in the Bible. So before we jump too far into what was going on here in the book of Judges, we need to get to know Deborah just a little bit better. I personally believe, and maybe you do too, I don't think anything in God's word is a coincidence. I don't think there's just happenstance in God's word. And, and one of these things that's really cool is if you know Hebrew very well and you know the Hebrew language, does anyone know, let me, let me test you, does anyone know what the, wait a minute here, you can't answer if you're in first service. No cheating. If you were in first service, you, you keep your hands down. Does anyone know what the name Deborah means in Hebrew? It means bee. B-E-E, -E, like a honeybee. And I, I only say that because I don't think God uses things and puts things in Scripture that's not appropriate. And when you look at the meaning of the name Deborah, it is really a perfect fitting for who she was. Now, when we look at bees, bees are an interesting thing. And I, I think it's funny that we have researchers today, they are spending grant money, and you know what they're arguing about? They're debating, do bees sleep? I don't know why that amuses me so much, but like, how do you go to a party and they say, hey, what do you do for work? And you say, I've been researching, do bees sleep? Like, that's the coolest job ever, just to watch a bee and see if it stops moving, because the whole idea of a bee is really, is really an unusual thing. Did you know that a bee in a hive, in a colony, if the hive gets too cold, a bee will vibrate their body to get the temperature up in the hive? Do you know that? That's really cool to me. Do you know in a hive with a bee, if it gets too hot, it flutters its little wings until the hive gets cool? I think that's really cool. I don't, I don't know what it is that, that really, it, it just, it's so awesome what bees do because you know why? Bees are a part of a, a group, a colony, a hive. Bees are part of something and they know their role in it. And that to me is so fitting for Deborah because look at these words right here. We're going to skip down right there in verse 5. It says, She used to sit under the palm of Deborah between Ramoth and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the people of Israel came to her for judgment. That means, as a judge, she would sit under this tree, and the whole nation of Israel would frequently bring their problems to her. My naive spirit, part of me, says, Oh, that would be, that would be pretty cool. You sit there, and they come to you and you judge them. And then as I mature, I start to think about that in, in, in realistic terms. She is going to sit under a tree and all day long she's going to have two groups of people coming to her. That means all day long, 50% of those people are not going to like what she has to say. That is an awful job. That is an awful responsibility. That is an awful role. How does Deborah not go home at the end of the day and go, I don't like people anymore? Why? Because the name Deborah, that means bee, indicates that she knew her role in the hive. She knew her role in this colony. She knew who her leader was. It was God. And what's, what's funny is I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about people. How did Deborah not just sit there and go, man, people are people are petty these arguments are ridiculous i'm gonna leave i don't want to do this anymore i started looking up some of the the most ironic cases because people are petty people have always been pe petty people have always bickered and argued about some of the weirdest things did you know in 2018 a man petitioned a judge to have his age legally changed and do you know why he did 
because he wasn't having success on Tinder. His dating app success was low. He wanted to change his age. That makes me laugh. A judge had to listen to him talk about his, his love life on a dating app. I, I thought about the, the fact that there was a woman sued because she went on a date and she was on her phone too much. The man was angry. He took her to see Guardians of the Galaxy 2. He said she was on her phone so much she ruined my movie-going experience. They settle, settled for $17.43 and the agreement that he would leave her alone. That went to a judge. That's Deborah sitting here listening to this nonsense. How about the fact that in 2016, Red Bull was sued? It did not give the individual wings. They lost $640,000 because that person had some Red Bull and the Red Bull did not give them wings. Or my absolute favorite is 2012, a kidnapper sued the victims that he kidnapped. He fell asleep and before he fell asleep, he said, I made an oral agreement with my, my victims that they would help hide me from the police. And when he fell asleep, they escaped and turned him in. He sued him. And I laugh about that, and I, I look at this, and I, and I think to myself, this is the nonsense that Deborah sat under a tree and judged. Why? Because that's just her role in this hive. And there's something else really cool here. And if, if you're a Bible writer, if you like to write in your Bibles like I do, if you go all the way back up, right there in verse 4, it said, now Deborah was a prophetess, the wife of Lapido. If you're a Bible writer, that word wife, I'm going to write a little question mark on mine. Because the word wife also means woman in Hebrew. And what's, what's neat about this is that word change really changes a lot because it, it could mean, which most people think, it means the wife of Lapido. It, that means that. It could. Or it could mean the woman of Lapido, which would be very similar as how we refer to, let's, let's test, Jesus of Nazareth. It would be very similar that it would be the woman of Lapido. Or it could mean the woman, and then the word Lapido is actually means flame. And as a, a priestess, it could mean the woman of flames, which would indicate her job was to be a wick maker in the temple, and she would be in charge of the flame, the woman of flame. Or it could mean, when it looks at it, it could mean Deborah, the woman of flame, but not necessarily about the temple, about her, her zest, her, um, her energy for being a woman of God. As a, as a prophetess and a judge, she could have been very, had a lot of zeal, so they could have said, that woman's fiery. And that would have been very appropriate. What's cool here, and the only reason I point this out, is here is this woman, the only one that is a judge and a prophetess female in the Bible, and we don't know much about her. Why? Because I believe Deborah is very good at pointing this fact out. Her role was not to be lifted up, but to glorify God. It attests to her personality, and it gives us a good understanding of who this woman really was. Who she really was was a follower of God. All right, now let's, let's read again. This time we're going to read, oh, here we are. Let's, 
we got to go all the way back to the beginning. This is important stuff. And the people of Israel again did what was evil in the sight of the Lord after Ehud died. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazar. The commander of his army was Sisera, who lived in Harosh. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help, for he had 900 chariots of iron, and he oppressed the people of Israel cruelly for 20 years. First, we got to get to know Deborah. Now we need to understand the time. We got to get to know the time. So let's let's figure this out. Let's let's test my Bible scholars here. Joshua came about 200 years roughly before Deborah. In one of the last known recorded battles of Joshua, in fact, I, I think you should turn here with me. Just turn over to Joshua chapter 11. This is the Battle of the Waters of Merom. And in jo jo I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 11, as Joshua was going through this land, it was the first time they had ever encountered these chariots of iron, which doesn't sound like anything to us. If there's a chariot of iron coming after me, I'm going to run it over in my truck. My, my truck's got a big motor. I'm going to plow right through that chariot of iron. But the chariot of iron for them would be a lot like if someone rolled tanks out in Sierra Vista. This was, it was a pretty large military might. So when it says they have 900 chariots of iron, they had similar to 900 tanks against us. And so in Judges, I'm sorry, Joshua chapter 11, as this is the last battle, the battle of the waters of Miriam, here comes Joshua and his men. It says they wiped out the city of Maiden, the city of Shimron, the city of Ashproth, Deborah, Adam. And look at this, if you're there, Judges chapter 11, look at verse 11. That's just one book back. Judges 11, 11. Joshua 11, 11, sorry. And it says, And they struck with the sword all who were in it, dev uh, devouring them to destruction. There were none left that breathed. Look at these last words. And he burned Hazar with fire. Now go back over to Judges. Judges chapter 4. Look where they're at. Judges chapter 4, verse 2. And the Lord sold them into the hand of Jabin, king of Canaan, who reigned in Hazor. See, the, the, the problem is, is this. You have to know that to know this. Imagine, if you will, someone came into our country and conquered us. I mean, just came in and wiped us out, because that's what Joshua did. Joshua killed all of them. I mean, when they came in, they came in. They burned the cities. Now, imagine, if you will, about 200 years, a city comes in, conquers our, our country. 200 years passes, and it's time weaker at retribution how would you behave now be honest if we had the opportunity to really go after someone that absolutely decimated us would we do it and then those words right here and it says he oppressed the people of israel cruelly for 20 years why this is payback pure and simple you have to know the, the story of Joshua to understand what's going on in, in Judges. Here are these people that were once defeated by the Israel nation. Now all of a sudden they're weak and they come in. So what is it? It's payback time. And why does that matter to us today? Because the same thing happens to us today. Here are people, and this is the funny spot, for 20 years they were ruled. That means there were people in the Israel nation that were being oppressed for something they didn't even do. 
their parents were the ones when those words right there in verse 1 it says the people of Israel did what was evil their parents were doing what was evil in the sight of the Lord not them and they were oppressed and what's even more unusual is not only were they oppressed they were being cruelly oppressed why because something someone did in the past is coming back and you know what family we do the same thing now there are people all the time, and they had the very similar words. They say, man, I, I feel like, I feel like I'm, I'm being persecuted by God. I didn't even do anything. I'm going to say, family, guess what? It happens. Oftentimes, we are still dealing with the sins of someone else in the past. We are still paying back what someone else did, and it could be 100 years ago, 200 years ago, 300 years ago. People are still judging the church based on what Christians did a hundred years ago. What Deborah was facing and what these people were facing is absolutely no different than what we face today. We have struggles, we have problems, we have ups and downs, and oftentimes someone says, what did I do? And I could say, probably didn't do anything. It's probably someone in the past, and you're still paying for it. And you know what? It, it all affects us. It affects us differently, honestly. I mean, I, to be honest, I, I remember going to school, and I would, I would meet the teacher, and they'd go, Oh, Jerry Barclow. Oh, you must be the, the little brother of Hal and Kelly. They were so awesome. They were such good learners. And I would grit my teeth, and I would say, I am not Hal and Kelly. You think they were good? Let me show you what I am. And I was awful. And what's funny now, what's really funny now is my son goes places. And they say, who are you? He says, Javen Barclon. They go, oh, you related to Jerry. Ha <laughs> surprise. See how we, we do this up and down. And see, you have to know the time then to know the time now. And see, all these things they're dealing with, family, we deal with the same thing. Some of the struggles that we have in our life not because we did something, but because someone else did something. So you cannot determine your level of faith based on the actions of someone else. You cannot allow the shortcomings of someone else in the past to alter your faith today. The behavior of people in the past do not dictate how you behave now. All right, last one we're going to read again, and after we're done this time, you can close your Bible up. And this is, this is the best part here. So we're going we're gonna to start out in verse 6. It said, She sent and summoned Barak, the son of Abinam, from Kadesh, and said to him, Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you, Go gather your men at Mount Tabor, taking 10,000 from the people of Naphtali and the people of Zebulun, and I will draw out Sisera, the general of Jabin's army, to meet you by the river Kishon with his chariots and his troops, and I will give him into your hand. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. And she said, I will surely go with you. Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hand of a woman." We're going to stop there. And I'm going to tell you, if you want to know what happens next, you've got to read these verses when you get home because it's some unusual stuff. But we're going, to, we're going to talk about right now, and we got to get to know the big event. 
See, the, the, first, the first chunk of this scripture was, was really only there to lead us into this moment right here. And that verse 6, that, there, there's two things that happened. The verse 6 is, is really, it's really important. Don't skip over it. So she's sitting here under a tree. She's judging. And all of a sudden, it was like a snap. She got up. She sent for Barak to come to her and said, look at those words. Has not the Lord, the God of Israel, commanded you? Go gather your men at Mount Tabor. We're going to stop there. It was, it was almost like a, a blink of an eye that all of a sudden she had this realization, hey, we got to go. It's just a, an instant realization that, hey, God wants us to go, go fight back. We've been, we've been captive for 20 years. We've been oppressed for 20 years. And what's really funny is it almost implies that Barak should have known. When she says, has God not commanded you? It's almost an implication that she believes that God had already told Barak to get the men ready and he didn't do it. And this is what's funny because the same thing happens to us today. We're sitting somewhere and all of a sudden something snaps in our head. We go, I gotta, I gotta call somebody or I gotta call this person or I gotta go visit this person. Or you have the snap and you're like, Hey, I, for some reason, i got to stop that, that person on the side of the road. I, I don't know what it is, but I want to see if they need help. Or, or you get this, this realization, i got to move. i got to do this. And then I, I hear the same words changed a little bit after, and you go, Jerry, it was really weird. I had this, like this inner voice told me to do something, and I did it. And then it's dot, 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 and you fill in the blank. And whatever it is, it's life-changing. You go, oh, I, I had this need to call someone, and they told me that, they were just so despairing and they were so without hope and they just wanted someone and I just called at the right time and the story is always different, phrase the same, different story. And you know what that is? You know what we call that today? That's the Holy Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit leading us to do something and oftentimes it's just that, that, that snap and we gotta move. We can't explain it. We just gotta do it. And that's what's happening here. And it says that Deborah just got up and sent for him but here is the real moment. And here is the problem. We're going we're to have some problems here. Look at these words. Verse, I think it's eight. Barak said to her, If you will go with me, I will go. But if you will not go with me, I will not go. Some versions, now I don't know if this is your version, some versions actually use the word only if. And I, if I'm a Bible scholar, which I'm, I'm not a scholar, I would, I would love to use the word translation only if. Because that word is very fitting, and, and that's what Barak's saying. He says, I'll go only if. And here is, here is the moment in this event, and here's the problem, we'll never have closure. Why? Why in the world, first of all, why in the world was the commander of the Israel army, God's people, if he received this, this message to go fight back, why didn't he? And second, when he was confronted by the, the, the prophetess, why did he say only if? Was he afraid? Is that, is that honestly what this is about? Was, was Barak afraid to assemble the people of Israel to go fight these iron chariots? Was he scared? That, that would make sense to me. It, it, I'd be afraid to go to battle. And in fact, I want to be honest there are a few people I, I always think, and they're kind of, I look at them, I say, you're, you're God's favorite. 
like God always does something really good for you, you're definitely God's favorite. If I'm going to war, guess what? I'm calling them. I'm going to say, you stand right here beside me, and when the shooting starts, you're going to go right in front of me. Because I know that God's not, not, not going to let anything happen to you, so you're going to stay right here. You're my shield. Was, was that simply it? Was Barak afraid? Did he only want Deborah there as, as a shield? Saying, you know, if, if something goes sideways, I know that God's going to spare Deborah, and I'm going I'm to keep her here. Like a safety net? Was that it? And I wonder, was Barak angry? Was he mad? He's the commander of the Lord's army. He had men at his disposal. When he spoke, men moved. Imagine, if you will, Sierra Vista First Christian Church is a mega church. 10,000 people, all these campuses. Now imagine, if you will, I'm up here preaching, having a good time, and we're super huge church, and the person that trims our trees comes in one day and says, Jerry, God told me you're supposed to build a building. What kind of make me angry? That kind of make me cranky. I'll go, Seriously? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm killing myself up here. I'm trying to write messages and, and, and education and, and lessons. I'm really struggling here. And you're going to use him to talk to me? Was that it? Was Barack simply angry that, that the message didn't come to him? Was he simply angry that, that he wasn't the one that was going to be in charge? Or was he a sexist? Was that it? was here this man, this powerful man. And to be a commander in an army in the Israel time, I'm going to tell you right now, you proved yourself in battle. The men that followed you respected you because they've seen what you have done. Was he mad that some woman was telling him what to do? Did he go, how dare you? And see, that's, that's the problem we... We look at this passage and, and we don't know. Uh, we, we don't know why Barak said that. We have no idea why he said only if. I'll go only if. And then I look at it and I, I think to myself, how many times do we do the exact same thing? We go, God, I'm going to do what you want me to do. Only if. And then those words that, that she said to him, right at the very end, she said in verse, I think that's a nine, says, Nevertheless, the road on which you are going will not lead to your glory, for the Lord will sell Sisera into the hands of a woman. And I think to myself, how many times have we been like a Barak and we go, God will do what you're asking us to do, but only if this. And then what happens man you lose the glory here's a man a leader of the army of Israel and he would have been the one that killed the oppressors the ones that were abusing the nation the ones that were keeping them down the ones that were hurting your neighbors it would have been Barak who freed them he would have had the glory and the honor. People would have said, yeah, God really used you, Barak. He used you and he freed us. Yay, Barak. And instead, he said, I'll go only if. And I think, that is us all the time. 
God says, hey, I want you to do something, and we go, God, I'll do it. Only if. Only if. I'm going to ask the simple question today, what is your only if? What is God asking you to do that, that you know, just like you know, just like Deborah's saying, saying, didn't God command this? What is the thing that you know God is asking you to do? But in your mind, you're saying, I'll do it only if. And maybe it's not right this very second. But there's going to come a time, several times in life, that there's something we need to do that God is calling us to do. And you know that God's wanting you to do it. But we say, just like Barack, only if. What's your only if? And as our band comes to lead us into song and decision, I'm going I'm to ask another question. If you have not made a decision to follow Jesus, is there an only if there? Hey, if you're watching online and, and you had this only if, you'll say, I'll follow Jesus only if, and, and that's more common than anyone thinks. We'll hear, I'll follow Jesus only if I can stop doing this, this, this. Or I'll, I'll follow Jesus, I'll give my life to Jesus only if these problems are taken care of. Hey, that's, if that's what you're doing, don't, don't have the stipulation of serving God, following God, giving your life to God. There's no only if. It's either God calls you, you do it, or you don't do it. We're not bargaining. Or maybe you feel like the, the, the nation of Israel and you, you feel like you're being oppressed. Hey, and you want some prayers, come on down. Hey, if you're watching online, you got some prayers, you can put it in that connection card that you fill out with the number on the screen. Uh, we look at those, we pray about them. If it's confidential, mark it. Or uh, maybe you're a baptized believer, you want to be part of this family. Hey, come on down, we'll welcome you. Let's stand as we get ready to sing. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You had been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. so so kind to me oh the overwhelming never ending reckless love of God oh it chases me down I'm still I found leaves the 99 and I couldn't earn it and I don't deserve it I felt no worth, you paid it all for me. 
shadow you won't light up Mountain you won't climb up Coming after me no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, lie you won't tear down, coming after me. Come shadow, you won't light up, mountain, you won't climb up, coming after me. Snow wall, you won't kick down, lie, you won't tear down, coming after me. Snow shadow, you won't light up, mountain, you won't climb up, coming after me. Snow wall, you won't formulated my, my top three most valuable things in life and I think number two maybe number three I'm not sure is time I think that's one of those things that you, you can't really buy much much of it you might be able to extend it a little bit but man time is so important and in just a few minutes you're going to have some of that time and, and how you use that time is up to you you can come up here you can get the cup you can hold the cup and you can think about what's lunch, what's for dinner, what you have to do when you have to get home, who's coming over, all the, all the things that have to do. Or you can take that time, you can close your eyes, you can bow, and you can do this in remembrance of me, just like Jesus said. Let's pray together. God, thank you for loving us. Uh, thank you for giving us this incredible gift of time. Father, I ask you to help us that we don't waste it, uh, that we use every moment to the best of our ability. God, uh, just allow us to take this time right now, this very second, and, and when we bow, that we remember that you love us so much that you sent your son to die on the cross for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
inside of your bulletin, we have our announcements for this week. Um, there is going to be a candy packing party for the Harvest Fest tonight at 4 o'clock. So if you want to eat, I mean, pack candy, uh, show up at 4 o'clock. And uh, Jerry will have all of his groups. Roger's group is not meeting tonight because there's going to be a Singspiration in, in Whetstone. And they've asked our church, if, excuse me, if you're going to come, to make sure you bring a dessert to share, not just for yourself. Also, um, we have uh, Operation Christmas Child still collecting items. Our Thanksgiving dinner is on the 12th. Make sure you sign up for that. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer, um, and so you can sign up for what you're going to bring. Of course, our annual business meeting takes place on December 3rd at 4 o'clock. If you're a member of First Christian Church, we expect you there for that. If you can't be, be there, there'll be absentee ballots so you can vote on leadership. And if you're an attender of our church or if you're out and in, in, in watching us online and you want to come to the meeting, you're welcome to come. It's not closed. So, uh, Also, we do have adult Bible study this week. We have Bibles. All of our Bible studies are meetings, so make sure that uh, if you're part of that to come. We're, in our, uh, we're beginning our Amen, uh, before the Amen series with Max Lucado in my adult class on Wednesday, so make sure you've looked over chapter one. Uh, I think that's all the announcements I have for right now. I want to show a video from Operation Christmas Child. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I want every child to know that there's a God. I want every child to know that God loves them, that God sent his son from heaven to this earth to take our sins. We've got a charge to go into the world, to make disciples of all nations, to baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God, here I am. Take me and send me and use me. laid it on my heart. The Himbas need someone to give them the word of God. My vision for the Salamakan tribe is that we will share the gospel and to establish a house church here so that they also can receive the, the, the blessing of Christ. Through the gift boxes, we are going places that no church will be allowed. Places like Gambi, that floating village. We are reaching those that have never heard the gospel. We find them having not even a Bible in their own language. Areas of the world where people need to know that God loves them and cares them and sent his son from heaven to this earth for them. God loves you and God loves me. Operation Christmas Child opened doors to evangelism, discipleship, and multiplication. When a child receives a shoebox, it shows them who God really is and how much he cares for them. We bring gift to the children, also the mothers and the fathers and their brothers and sisters also accepted the Lord Jesus Christ. The churches are using these shoeboxes, the greatest journey discipleship program, to reach out to the ends of the earth with the gospel. God sent his son to this earth on a rescue mission. Jesus Christ died and shed his blood on the cross for our sin. And then on the third day, God in heaven said it's enough, and he raised his son to life. 
This is the good news, and we've got a responsibility to take this message to the ends of the earth. So if you've not yet picked up some boxes, feel free to do so. They'll be, uh, be turning those in sometime in December, December in uh, November, so make sure you have those ready to go. I think that's all the announcements. If you look on the back of your bulletin, we have a lot of prayer concerns. We ask that you take note of them and that you keep people in your prayers, the situations we're dealing with around the world, our troops who are deployed. Uh, we have shut-ins that we've been praying for. We've been focusing on Operation Christmas Child as our outreach this month, so keep them in your prayer. And also, uh, CareNet has been the mission we've been focusing on, so if there's any way you can help those organizations, we encourage you to do so. At this time, I'm going to stand, I'm going to lead you in a, in a prayer, and then our praise team is going to lead us out with the song. So let's stand together and go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, we thank you so much that we could come together this morning for this time of worship. And Father, we have so many people in our bulletin we've been praying for. You see all the crazy stuff going around in the world that we're trying to hopefully contain and Father, we know that you're in control and we trust you. Father, we pray that you be with our troops and particularly those who are in harm's way at this point. And we lift up Operation Christmas Child and we all lift up Karenette for the work that they do. Father, as we leave this place, I hope we leave challenged and changed and that we're encouraged and strengthened and that we will show the love of Jesus to those around us. It's in his name that we pray. Amen.